Hi, this is Goff from BeerNutsProductions.com, and you're listening to Genuine Chit Chat Podcast with my pal, Mike Burton. And after you're done listening to Mike and his special guest for the week, why not head on over to BeerNutsProductions.com for some of our hilarious and original content. We've got a great range of movies, audio downloads, and so much more for you to enjoy. That's BeerNutsProductions.com, the home of the world's greatest entertainment. And that's not overselling it. But for now, it's back over to you, Mike. Hello there, guys, and welcome to the 150th episode of Genuine Chit Chat and the first episode of 2022. And joining me for this momentous occasion is Goff of Beer Nuts Productions. Any regular listeners will recognise Goff because he's been on the show like six or seven times before. It's always an absolute delight to speak with him. And he's on the show because he's got a new film out called A Guide to a Perfect Wedding. And if you're interested by that, there is a link in the description to the behind the scenes slash trailer video of it that is a lot of fun. And we basically talk about what goes into making a fake wedding, because that's essentially what he did. It's a really fun conversation about weddings in general, but also, you know, independent filmmakers creating things and some of the behind the scenes things that goes on. And then towards the end of the conversation, we also speak about Goff's podcast, which I have actually appeared on. A link to that is in the description as well. And you may be able to hear from my voice, it's a little bit croaky, and listeners to Star Wars Comics and Canon will already be aware of this, but I've basically had a cold for the last week. When I recorded with Goff at the start of this cold, it was more so in my sinuses, in my nose and things, so you can hear me sniffing and stuff a little bit, and now it's gone to my throat. So that's why I sound a bit odd in this, and I might sound slightly different in the podcast itself, but it still sounds great, and it was a lot of fun to do, so I'm sure you guys will enjoy it. There's not really much else to add here aside from saying, you know, always check out the show notes, guys, because I put loads of information on there. Links to everything me and Goff discuss are in there as well. And I will be back at the end to give you guys some more information of what's coming up in 2022, information about my Patreon, Star Wars, all those sorts of usual things. So um, I hope you guys had a good end to 2021. I hope you had a good start to 2022. And uh, after listening to the show, make sure you reach out to Goff on social media. I know it means the world to him when he hears from you guys saying how much you enjoyed our conversations. So please do that where possible. Anyway, guys, thanks as always for listening. And here we go. First episode of 2022 with Goff of Beer Nuts Productions. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. I am joined once again by Goff of Beer Nuts Productions. Now, I've made, I've, I've counted how many episodes you've been on. So you were on episode 48, 65, 84 and 85, which I think was one recording, but I split it in two, 105 and 126. So... It's either your sixth or seventh appearance. I think it's our seventh, uh, our sixth time talking uh, via Zoom, whereas it's actually your seventh episode specifically on Genuine Chit Chat, which is quite fun, isn't it? So, so in other words, what you're saying is uh, it should be called Genuine Chit Chat with Goff and Mike. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or I'm going to say this is the last time I'm talking to you for five years because my listeners need a break. <laughs> I don't mean that, that's, Goff. Don't worry. It's very hurtful. Right there. That's where that got me. Right, right there. Like yeah. a dagger. <laughs> well, after I came on your show and you told me I haven't watched Star Wars, then, you know, absolutely outrageous. So... <laughs> You know, I had to get one back. I had to go on back. Um, but, you know, one of the reasons we're talking is because you've got a new film out called A Guide to a Perfect Wedding. Uh, it is up to the usual standard of beer nuts silliness. Um, but I want to ask about this. Like, it's it's about 40 minutes long. Is this the longest uh, film you've released that isn't your documentary? Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. So, and when I, so what happened was, as I think I've told you before with my other films, 
when uh, when I write a film, you know, I write it until I feel that it is done because I have nobody. I'm independent, so I have no one saying to me things have to be a certain length or you know whatever. So uh, when I'm writing this wedding film. Uh, my goal was to make sure that I covered every single aspect of a wedding. So I'm typing away and I'm like, oh, and then there's the wedding photographer. So we've got to write that bit. Oh, and then there's the speeches. So I've got to write them. And oh, but then, of course, we can't forget the guy doing the video camera. And oh, OK, so we write that bit in. And by the time I sort of got done, I'm like, oh, OK, wow, you know, it's going to be a long one. So it wasn't, again, it wasn't done on purpose. It was just... Uh, the fact that I couldn't, uh, I didn't want to leave any aspect of a wedding out. I wanted to make sure that everything was covered right from the very start of the day where everybody's getting ready to the ceremony, of course, and then obviously everything that goes along with the reception. So I wanted to make sure that nothing was ever left out. So, yes, yeah, so that, that's uh, essentially the reason why it's 40 minutes. It wasn't a conscious effort. It's just how it uh, how it turned out. Yeah, well, people get more, uh, you know, more minutes for their money, really. And so it works really well. And I thought that when I was watching it, it got about halfway through. And I was like, I was like, this is really good. But I was like, I couldn't think of what other subjects one would tackle. And then it keeps on going. And like, oh, of course. And it's funny because I've been to, you know, I'm at the sort of age, I'm nearing 30. So everyone around me is either getting a house, having a kid or getting married. Um, obviously, due to COVID lockdown stuff the babies are coming in and divorces are going up, but no one can get married because everything's all locked down apart from these tiny little every month or so. There's like, oh, for this month, people can get married. Not the next month if you want any guests. So I've been to like, over the last few years, I've been to a few weddings. If COVID hadn't happened, I'd have been to, I think it's five weddings in uh, 2021. So, you know, I've been to... I think I've been to a few in the last couple of years and things. I went up to one in Scotland uh, in November that was quite fun. But like, have you been to quite a lot of weddings recently? Because obviously, I, I assume you do have to have been to a couple to know some of these some of these elements and things. Or if you haven't been to weddings recently, have you been like, um, how do you do your research? Was it just knowledge, like where the ideas come from, basically? Yeah. So amazingly, so I only just turned forty a couple of weeks ago. So I'm a December baby. So I turned forty a few weeks back, and uh, in my lifetime, I've only ever been to four weddings, if you can mm. believe that. But three of them, I was a groomsman. So I was uh, pretty involved for three of them. And then one of them, I was just a regular, regular old guest. Mm -hmm. uh, so after the first couple of weddings, I was like, oh, man, there's a, a lot of material here where you can just take the piss because there's a lot of nonsense that goes <laughs> on at weddings. Like, I mean, And the good part was every wedding I've been to has been – completely different i mean so i won't name names uh but i've been to one wedding that was super pretentious and just atrocious and it was just like i'm sitting there going are these people for real like really <laughs> and then i've been to another one that maybe like the one up in scotland was just nothing but fun like everybody was super cool the ceremony was nice and sharp uh, everybody was super happy the reception was super fun. It was just really good vibes. Then I've been to another one that was just so bride-centric, it was just ridiculous. <laughs> uh, and then and, and one of, the other one that I went to was, uh, uh, how can I describe it? Uh, the, they spent zero money on the ceremony, so the ceremony was just a nonsense. 
but they'd put all their effort into the reception. The reception was really cool. So, mm. uh, yeah, so very, very different experiences. But, yeah, after the first couple, I was like, oh, there's lots of things that go on at these ridiculous events that uh, I need to take the piss out of. So that's <laughs> what I did. So, yes. Yeah, because it's one of those funny things uh, with weddings where it is, because it's so ceremonial and so traditional, there are just lots of peculiar things that happen that just happen because they've always happened. And also you find at a wedding, you're going to have people from every walk of life mm-hmm. in the same room, which you never usually would because, you know, Barry, the groom, he's got his mates from college who he hasn't seen in like 10 years, but he's obliged to invite them. And one of them's an architect and another one's a goth and another one's a this and another one's a that because they've all gone off and lived their own life over the last 10 years. So you've got all these different human beings and then she's got her family who are weirdos and then he's got... <laughs> his family who are like hippies or so I don't know but like you got all these different human beings that are crammed into the same space which is bound to cause something to happen whether it's good or bad something's going to go down so that's the other thing I found about weddings too so yeah it was just one of those things where like I say after one or two of them I was like oh man I I need to write some of this shit down because this is uh this is outrageous behavior that's taking place here and uh yeah I know lots of people have made fun of weddings in the past, but uh, hopefully mine's slightly different. So uh, being the mockumentary kind of style. So, yeah. Yeah, it's not quite like anything else I've seen. But obviously a lot of uh, weddings you kind of see in comedy movies or romance movies. That's normally it's either at the end of the romance movie or often at the start of a comedy movie. <laughs> it kind of <laughs> depends on what, uh, what the story is being told. But yeah, the specific sort of mockumentary style of a wedding, I'm surprised I haven't seen that anywhere. I'm... There may be one other than beer nuts that exists, but why would we ever need to see that? Um, but one of the things <laughs> that very I very true. <laughs> one of the things that I um I made a note of was sort of the scale of this. Compared to a lot of your other movies, there seem to be so many more extras because obviously when you do, for example, the gym one, that's quite simple. It's you and a personal trainer, maybe a couple of people in the background doing a few weights or something. That's quite small in, in uh, scale. Whereas with a wedding, you can't really do a small scale wedding if you're doing a wedding mockumentary. Because even if you had like 10 people, that wouldn't be enough. It would look like a wedding. It would just like this very strange gathering. Um, so obviously, I encourage people to check out the behind the scenes video, which you can check out uh, on YouTube. And I'll put a link in the description. It's, it's a lot of fun to watch. And it gives a good insight into well, behind the scenes. So was this the most challenging film that you've made for Beer Nuts thus far? Well, yeah, in, in regards to that, because yes, I had 40 actors total mm. and about totally, I think about nine crew total as well. Mm. So yeah, it was definitely the biggest in regards to cast because you are 100% right. I mean, uh, when I'm budgeting, I'm like, I, I need 40 actors because mm. That's just what, like you rightly say, if you've only got like 10 people, you've got like three guests in the church, it looks weird, and like two people at the reception, that's odd. So you just can't do that. You have to have lots of people. So once I made the decision, okay, we're having 40 actors, then it was I I, I didn't want somebody to hog the limelight. I wanted to make sure that it was spread. So, you know, I'll give that actor that line in that scene and the rest of the time he can be an extra. And I'll give that girl that line in that scene and the rest of the time she can be an extra. So I wanted to make sure I spread the load as well. So there's not just one crazy person, there's 40 crazy people. (laughs) So uh, that was also very important. But yeah, in regards to, and also uh, the location, obviously. So when uh, I was organizing the location, I said to the guys who run that particular place, 
I said to them, I want you to tell the staff that this is actually a wedding that's happening. I mean, I know it's a film shoot and they're going to know it's a film shoot, but it needs to, the only way it's going to work is if everything looks like a wedding. So the staff need to pretend it's a wedding. And one of the funny things he says to me, he says, uh, well, in that case, you got to feed everybody. Do you just want to have like the wedding buffet that we usually serve at weddings? Because that's what they do for a lot of the time of the year. That's a proper chapel. And across the street from the chapel is it's on a golf course and it's uh, the clubhouse for the golf mm. course. So they do all, they do weddings all the time. So he's like, do you want the wedding buffet that we usually serve for the, the cast and the crew? I'm like, sure. Why not? You know, they've got to eat. So uh, everybody was eating a wedding buffet for the dinner break, which is kind of hilarious. But uh, it was, uh, but yeah, so it, everything needed to look and feel like a wedding. So it meant that I had to have a big location. It meant that I had to have uh, a big cast. It meant that I had to get the proper costumes in and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, in regards to scale and pre-production, this was probably the longest one I've done. So yeah. Yeah, I did think that because when I was seeing it, especially with some of the behind the scenes things, I was like, this just, this looks like a real wedding. And one of my questions to you was going to be like, did you just... I'm not going to ask about how much things costs because that's not necessarily relevant. But in that vein, when you hired out the chapel and the, the thing on the golf course, because I've I've been to a wedding which they had the reception at a golf course as well. Actually, I think it's quite a common um, place to have those sort of things. But like when you were booking it and things, did they charge you wedding prices, or did you say that this is a basically a joke wedding? This is a film and got it cheaper because I know that as soon as you say the word wedding around booking anything. Prices just skyrocket because I've been involved as a groomsman and um, other levels of involvement for various friends' weddings, and I know that it's just it's so expensive. Well, the the wedding dress, for example. So uh, some uh, yes and no is the answer to your question. Hmm. Um, yes, as in uh, we did actually get the wedding package for the the venue, um, but uh, we give advertising credits so that uh, and there's obviously product placement being the fact that we're filming there and the world gets to see their location and same with some of the costumes. So the wedding dress, for example, in real life, if we were to purchase that particular wedding dress, that's two and a half thousand dollars worth of wedding dress. Oh my Lord. Yeah. So I was very paranoid about nobody touch the dress. Because <laughs> <laughs> if that gets wrecked, I'm down two and a half grand. So yeah, but um, so yeah, no credit to uh, those people that did jump on board and assisted in regards to that. But yeah, the goal was to make it look like a wedding. So I had, uh, when it came to decorating the chapel and the reception room, I'm like the bride. They're emailing me questions like, what color do you want the ribbons? Do you want the red carpet down? How do you want the seating plan? And so I'm like a bride organizing a wedding. So if ever there's any young ladies listening to the podcast and they want to get hitched, then uh, <laughs> come and see me because uh, I know how to do this shit straight up. Cause I've had good practice. I was like bridezilla just telling everybody how, uh, how it needs to go down. So it was quite funny in that regard because I never thought in a million years I'd be organising a wedding, but it was important to do it that way. Otherwise, I don't think the film would would work. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's quite an interesting time. Like, was there something in particular that made you choose uh, weddings like at, at the moment or was it just kind of you had quite a few ideas floating around and you thought the time was what right? Like, what made you release this film next? Uh, well, the fact that it was sort of next in the queue more than anything else. Mm. So I had, like I say, I think I've, we've gone through this uh, before in how I choose my projects. So I have a bunch of scripts written yeah. and uh, I ha have a look. The first thing I do is I look in the production account, how much money do I have? And then I go through my scripts. Can I make that? No. Can I make that? Oh, I can make that with that money. So, uh, yeah, it was essentially 
going through my scripts. It's like, okay, uh, oh, I think I can make, because the wedding one was written quite a while ago. Mm. Uh, so I've been really, actually, I've been really keen to make it for a long time because I thought the script was like super funny. So I was like, oh, I really want to make it, but I've just never had the money to make it. So the bud, uh, you know, looking at the production account, I'm like, okay, I've got this amount of money going through my scripts. I'm like, oh, we'll see if this wedding one would work. And sure enough, I read through the script. I'm like, yeah, I reckon I can do it for that. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty much it. It was, uh, yeah, no rhyme or reason to it. It was just, it was sort of next in the queue. Mm, I see. With um, hair and makeup and things, I assume that was quite a uh, a tough thing as well, because obviously, once again, normally when you have got your actors, it's just like, you know, put a bit of uh, makeup on just so, you know, there's no glare in the camera, or if there are a certain individual, like, uh, prostitutes come up every now and then, in, or strippers <laughs> in uh, beer nuts, so it's having that kind of makeup and things. So with a wedding, it must have been, for your uh, costume, sort of the individuals that you hire for costumes and makeup and things, that must have been, once again, one of the biggest tasks that you've had on beer nuts. Well, firstly, going back to an earlier point you just raised, uh, Ilya, that does all my props, who mm. has featured in a few of the behind-the-scenes documentaries now, she's an absolute superstar, Ilya, because uh, she made the – obviously, the wedding cake is fake, mm. uh, and she made a few other props for this one as well. And uh, she's made the statement, and I can't argue with her, to be fair, but she's made the statement that it's not a Beer Nuts Productions film unless there's a sex worker, stripper, <laughs> or some kind of uh, – a sexual sort of thing happening and uh, this one's no different because i mean every bucks party requires a stripper so we have a we have the bucks party i didn't forget about the stag night so uh, yeah that's uh, that's definitely involved as well in the uh, in the film so yeah so this one shouldn't disappoint on that level but uh, yes to answer your question um three makeup artists on this film which is the first time i've had three makeup artists because obviously we only had the main filming location we only had that nine hours 12 mm. till nine so uh we had to pump through i mean the bride and stuff were all done earlier but we had to pump through about uh 30 actors in about 90 minutes to get their makeup done so that's why i needed uh three makeup artists and so yeah i just had the pr usual production meeting with them i paid them their fee and then it's up to them obviously the makeup team supply their own stuff so it's up to them to sort that sort of stuff out, but I do have to sit down with them beforehand. And, to, and that's another thing. I mean, one thing I thought I would never know being a blind and be a boy uh, and see straight. I never thought I would ever have to know anything about makeup in my life, but over the past 10 years of doing this job and the fact I'm a one man band, I know all about nude lips and cat eyes and, and uh, smoky eyes and when it's appropriate to do that sort of makeup and when it's not. And I, I know more about makeup than I ever thought I should or would or could know. So <laughs> yeah, that's just a, a side skill I've picked up uh, over the last 10 years of doing this. But uh, it, it, it does, I mean, you got to learn these things. Cause like I say, when I sit down with the makeup artist, I've got to be able to relate to them what I want. So it's always easier if you can speak to the person in their own language. So you know, I've learned that sort of stuff over the years. And the wedding one was reasonably straightforward because they're either wedding guests, so it's just normal, nice wedding guest kind of makeup. And then obviously the bride and the bridesmaids are a bit more special because they're brides and bridesmaids. But uh, there was nothing uh, nothing overly tricky, I wouldn't have thought, that would have uh, tested them. But yeah, yeah, so it's, that's essentially makeup. Yes, it was more so the quantity, just there was so many things to do so yeah. quickly as opposed to, yeah, a really complicated thing. 
Yeah, and it's it's funny as well you say that because your portfolio is like you know you're a filmmaker and a writer and a producer and an editor, but then you're also a makeup guru now and a wedding planner. So you know if <laughs> beardos ever falls through or if you ever get sick of doing it, then you can. That's your next thing. It's uh, the beardos wedding service. <laughs> but it's also like I mean it's funny because uh, uh, locations as well. I'm a location scout, so obviously I mm. can't drive because I'm blind. So I need to. What I need to do is when I'm coming up with uh, a, a film. I need to think in my brain, okay, where have I been in my life that looks like what I need it to look, you know? Mm. And that's why, so, you know, I'm like, uh, uh, with this particular, so uh, the two, we use two different houses, uh, one being my own home and then the other being actually Kira, the bridesmaid. She let us uh, use her house for the other house scene. Um, uh, But the actual main locations that was more uh, – I've got a mate of mine who's a taxi driver, obviously, because I get a lot of taxis because I'm blind, so I sort of live in cabs. And uh, so sometimes I'll say to them, hey, where where do you know that is a good such and such? So I said to the cab driver one day, I'm like, man, where have you taken people for weddings? And they gave me a few different wedding locations, and so I just went around and checked them all out and, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, had uh one it was funny one was just a flat no because they didn't approve of my style i'm a bit inappropriate for their liking apparently uh, so that's fine that's cool but um yes yeah, so they missed out on the, the good times that is beer nuts uh but then uh palmer golf uh the dude there was super cooperative and 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 yeah look i couldn't speak uh they couldn't have been better to be honest to deal with and uh yeah they were fantastic. I told them exactly what I wanted. He was like, yeah, no dramas. It was t- Everything was just, yeah, super easy. So I, I, I hit a good one with that. But, yeah, so the cab driver comes in handy for location sometimes, but it's a lot of what, where do I know that looks like what I need? Uh, where have I been in my life that looks like that, you know, and it's trawling through the memory bank. And same with things like props and stuff. I've got to go to Ilya and I've got to describe to her what I need and all that sort of stuff and work closely with her. And so, yeah, it, uh, being a one-man band, it does mean that you, you do become multi-skilled, no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point with taxi drivers. I hadn't really thought about that, but that obviously, that's a really good idea to ask taxi drivers where to go for places because especially when there's people who uh, obviously can't drive or more specifically aren't from around that area for people when they want to travel, which is what people often do for weddings. Yeah, it's, it's a really good idea. I hadn't even thought about that. When I did the war on drugs, uh, that particular film, I remember saying to my taxi driver, mate, I'm like, I need two sort of alleyways where drug deals could go down. Do you know any? <laughs> and so within about, when, uh, when I saw him 24 hours later, on the back of an envelope, he'd written down 11 alleyways and he goes to have his cigarette breaks. He's like, if ever I'm in this suburb, this is where I go and have a cigarette. If I'm in this suburb, this is where I go and have a cigarette. And so sure enough, I got my alleyways that way so yeah cab drivers are a good resource to have <laughs> and with the location itself as well um did you because obviously the place can be used um as a wedding venue hence how you got involved with it and things did you have to wait for very long before you could actually film when like because i don't know how busy it is for weddings at the moment over in australia no well so i deliberately filmed on a monday so mm. it wouldn't be so that's the short answer to that so apparently they had a function on the sunday I don't know what function it was because clearly not none of my business. Uh, but yeah, because he sent me an email like on the the week beforehand when we were doing all the confirmations and stuff, and he's like, "Oh, uh, we've got a function in that finishes at like eight pm on the Sunday, and then uh, Clara is coming in to do the room up for you on the Sunday night 
before you come in on the Monday morning. And I'm like, okay, that's totally like, just to let me know what was happening. And I was like, yeah, that's totally fine. As long as it's done before midday, I'm happy. So it's all good. Uh, but yeah, so I, I deliberately, and I do that a lot. I usually film on Mondays and Tuesdays for that exact reason, because places are never usually busy on Mondays and Tuesdays. So mm. I usually, if ever possible, film on a Monday and a Tuesday. So yeah. That's a good shout. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, and with, you know, linking back to what, I spoke, what we spoke about earlier, which is, you know, the size of the production and the amount of people involved. Did you find that um, there would be many bloopers, for example? So like, you know, I, I was finding it when I was watching it and, you know, when someone was being really awkward on the microphone or when crazy stuff was happening at the altar and things and I was cracking up, but obviously you couldn't hear other people laughing. Like, did you have to do multiple takes to stop audience members from just laughing at the silliness that was going on well uh no for two reasons firstly everybody's well rehearsed so everybody knows what's coming in that regard and also before we would do a take i would tell everybody exactly what was going to be said oh, excuse me now it's my turn to burp and cough and <laughs> expel bodily fluids but uh yeah so i, I would do uh i would so for, i'll give you a good example mm -hmm. um when the mc does his inappropriate mc work at the reception I told everybody the inappropriate jokes that he was going to be telling. And it was funny, actually, because some people thought those were hilariously funny jokes. But a couple of the actors, I don't think, were overly impressed with uh, those particular jokes. So it got uh, it, it got a smattering of laughter, did those jokes in the room at the time. But that's okay. That's all good. But, yeah, I needed, obviously, to make sure that everybody is aware of what's coming up so that exact problem doesn't arise. So, yeah. I'm, I'm very mindful of that sort of stuff. So we don't have to film everything a hundred times. Got to pre-warn everybody of the uh, nonsense that's about to come. And did you have to record uh, multiple, like when you record things, like do you do uh, numerous takes or with this one, did you have like two cameras rolling for different angles? Uh, like, how, how was that process for this film? Yeah, so we got, uh, we've got three cameras total, hmm. uh, but we don't always use three. Uh, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Uh, it depends on what I want. Uh, and it's more a case of, uh, we, yes, we do do multiple takes, uh, because I'm a bit fussy. So, uh, I'll give you a, like the wedding speeches are probably a good example. Um, with those ones, for example, they'd obviously been rehearsed. They came in, they did it once. I maybe gave them a couple of pointers. Oh, could you do it a bit more this way or a bit more that way? Or this particular line, have a bit of a pause and then do that or do this action or whatever. Then we do it again, and at the very most, there'd usually only be three, so maybe one more time. But um, yeah, most because we rehearse it so much, most of them are pretty sweet. So we get in there and we do it because again, we only had nine hours to film the majority of that film, which is not a lot of time at all because that also includes the one-hour dinner break. So we only have eight hours really to film it. So you, you, you can't fart around. You got to be organized and prepared. And like on, on that, so uh, Claire, the costume designer. It was her first time working with me. And she's like, uh, so I said to her, how'd you find it, Claire? And she said, well, Goff, you were doing one of three things. You were yelling, acting, or muttering to yourself. And when you were muttering to yourself, we were all scared about what was coming next. <laughs> so I was, I was like, fair enough, fair enough. But uh, yeah, so that's sort of how it went down. Yeah, so uh, as soon as it was a take, I was like, right, you over there. And Scott, you need to get over there. And so I want that camera set up over there and, and bang, we're into the next one. So yeah, but uh, 
that was pretty much how that went down. So yeah, you just can't can't muck around. So you've got to be organised. So what you're saying is that it's the same as a normal wedding. You're getting yelled at by the person organising it, and everyone's <laughs> having to move around and do all kinds of crazy. Right now, you go over there because I need a photo of you with dad, and then you have to go over there, make sure the baby doesn't vomit on your suit. You know, all this sort of silliness. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I um. I know obviously there are a lot of sort of monologues and things, especially in this one. And, you know, you like a good monologue in, uh, I've noticed across the, uh, the years that we've been chatting and things. And with this one, there were quite a few, not only, you know, sprinkled through them, but also just someone standing there with the microphone and reeling off things. Did you find that the, the eight to nine hours you basically had, was that actually like enough? Did you cut it really fine just because there was, it's quite a lot of dialogue, especially at the venues themselves. So did you find that nine hours was just about enough by the hair on your chin or did you kind of, you know, have a little bit of a wiggle room at the end? No, well, see, I, I'm, I'm very good in regards to, I know how long things are going to take. Cause mm. I mean, this isn't my first rodeo. So <laughs> I do know. And also the other thing too, is uh, I do about 75% of the d- dialogue is me. Mm. And so I, I can, I can trust me cause I know what I'm can and can't do. So, uh, yeah, I knew how long things would take to film and I timed it out uh, perfectly. So, yeah, people were getting their money and getting out of the room at at five to nine and we had to be out by nine. So, yeah, uh, it was funny, actually. The the food and beverage manager who was my contact for the day, uh, he's a New Zealand guy, and he comes up to me and he's like, Goff, I was a bit nervous when when Simon, the the, the owner, said that we were doing a film. I was really nervous because back in New Zealand, I ran a restaurant and a guy came in and asked if they could film a movie there. And I said, sure. And he said, we'd be out by 7 p.m. And they were still going at five the next morning. He said, so I was kind of freaking out and I didn't want anything like that to happen. So, you know, I was very concerned. And I said, mate, you don't have to be concerned with me because, well, the other thing too is, I mean, if ever I want to use that venue again, it's in my best interest to play nice and act professional because if ever I need that venue again, I don't want them to go, no, Beer Nuts Productions are a bunch of jerks. We don't want to work with them. So it's in my best interest to make sure everything runs smoothly and everything goes to plan and that we leave the venue as we found it. So I'm very particular about that kind of stuff. You know, reputation is important in regards mm. to that sort of stuff. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I timed it out perfectly. So we ate when I said we were going to eat and uh, we did everything right on time and yeah people were exiting the building at five minutes to nine so yeah no we uh we got there just in case just uh like you say a little bit by the skin of our teeth but you know we did it so it was uh it was all sweet yeah and do you find that because from the behind the scenes videos it looks like everyone was having like a a massive laugh as well and i I don't know if that was just because there was such a huge amount of people or if it was just because you know this is one of your funniest films or like did you i know you were probably busy you know yelling at people and muttering to yourself but did you find that um was the environment and the atmosphere of this because of the volume of people and i noticed there's a lot of returning actors did you find it was a lot more of like a a fun even though it was to work, did you find it was a bit more fun than other projects or because of the scale, was it just ridiculously stressful? Oh, no, it was. It was fun to do. There's no question about that. It was fun to do. And they were a good group of people. I mean, I do my research pretty heavily. So, yeah, you are correct. Out of the 40 actors, probably half of them, or maybe a fraction less, maybe 17 or 18 out of the 40 were returning beer nuts actors, so people I knew. But then, obviously, you got 22 who I haven't worked with before. So, that's a, a bit, uh, you know, can be a bit nerve wracking, hoping that they don't, uh, 
get stage fright or anything of that nature. But uh, like I say, I, I rehearse them all and I, I meet them all and I get to know them as much as one can know somebody in a short period of time to make sure that, you know, because at the end of the day, my job, I, I often think of it as I'm a football coach and they're my players. Mm. So as a football coach, he needs to know what makes each player tick to get the best out of each player. So, you know, some people need a cuddle. Some people need to be yelled at. Some people need to be left alone. You know, everybody has a different way of being and, and getting the best out of themselves. So it's my job to figure that out and uh, figure that out quickly and make sure that uh, once I've got it figured out, I uh, I do it and make sure I get the best out of each individual actor. So, yeah, it, it was a good atmosphere on set. There's no doubt about that. It was it was very good, and everybody did exactly what they needed to do. There was no attitude or no no dramas at all. Like, it was it was very good in that regard. So, yeah, very cool. Certainly less stressful than a normal wedding. Well, yes, absolutely, <laughs> because uh, I was bridezilla, so there was no angry bride, for example, because that was me, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um- one of the things as well I noticed, which so you, you said it slightly earlier, and it's actually um, you guys call it a bucks party. I know you mentioned stag as well, but in England it's called yeah, a stag. I, do I, yeah, I, I remembered when I was talking, I said bucks party, and then I thought, oh no, we're in the UK now. I've got to call it a stag. Do so, yes. <laughs> I just thought that was quite funny because I I've never heard of bucks party, even though a buck and a stag, are, to my knowledge, basically the same thing. So it's it's one of those weird little strange things of the language of just like you know, obviously Australian English and. Uh, I don't know, I think it's called the Queen's English here. I don't speak the Queen's English. If anyone, anyone who's listening can tell that from this conversation, I definitely don't speak the Queen's English. But it is funny, there's lots of little words that are just slightly tweaked. Because when you said it and I was watching it, I was like, Bucks Party? I was like, what? And then I saw it, I was like, oh, it's a stag do. I'm a muppet. I was like, that's really, that's literally just the same word. So I just I just want to highlight that, that that was, that was quite entertaining. But like... The stag do itself was quite funny as well. Like the whole thing as well, where you've got with a stripper and just doing the, the monologue at the end. <laughs> it was bananas. <laughs> well, well let, let me ask you, Mike, do you know the stripper's name? Oh, yeah, because she said, remember the name of... It was... She said about the actress was like, remember my name and watch all the credits. And I watched all the credits because I was anticipating. I thought you'd put a little thing at the end of the credits for a joke. Just something like for like two seconds, just so people would watch to the end. So I was hoping for that. In the next few films, do something right at the end just for me. Uh, but no, I can't remember her name, I'm afraid. I'm a terrible person. Oh, my. She'll be very disappointed because she made a special mention to remember her name in her monologue. I know. So she'll... She'll be uh, she'll be very upset with you. So that's uh, there'll, be, there'll be no strippers at your stag do. She'll put the word out. <laughs> no Australian strippers at my stag do. What a shame. <laughs> Have to delve in the pool of all the other ones. <laughs> Dressed as naughty nurses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that outfit as well. Like w- with that sort of thing, I assume it's just your um, costuming person. They've just they've got they they know where to get all these things because obviously. When shopping for something that is deemed appropriate for either a stripper or such like to wear, one would assume that's not standard garbs, if you know what I mean. Like, you don't just go to, you know, a standard shop on the high street and just buy a nurse stripper outfit. So I didn't know if you if, if you had any idea almost where where they would come from, or is it just the contacts have, have their contacts and that's that? Well, in regards to the nurses, you actually two things in regards to the nurse's uniform. Firstly, Courtney is the young lady's name. I sent Courtney a photo of the outfit uh, in advance. I said, oh, I want you to do this. By the way, this is what you're going to be wearing. 
And she just, because uh, I've worked with her a few times before, she's super talented and like a super lovely human being. Uh, and But she always gets the worst role. I, I, it's purely accidental, I swear it is. And I'm like, I'm really sorry, Courtney, but can you be the stripper? And she's like, oh, last time I was the sex worker. The time before that, I was the crazy teenage bitch. Like, oh, my God. So anyway, but, um, yeah, so uh, I sent her the photo and she's like, oh, my God, really? I'm like, yes. So she's like, okay, fine. So, but uh, she's a good sport. She did a great job. But um, in regards to that, uh, I think you would find that on any uh, sort of uh, adult uh, sex toy kind of website, would sell would sell that sort of uh, lingerie slash costuming. <laughs> so that one is not hard to find at all. Some of the others, on the other hand, were hard to find. Some of the other specialised outfits were not easy at all. But uh, that one was easy because you just go to a adult uh, adult superstores type of uh, website and just uh, buy it. So yeah, and it's a one size fits all because it's all stretchy, stretchy material, so it uh, <laughs> clings to said body. So yeah. <laughs> See, I told you, man, I know all this sort of shit <laughs> that I should not know. Like, it's just so wrong that I know this, but I, I've, I've got to know it. So, yeah, it's my job. So that's, that's what we do. It was. I did have a suspicion. I was like, I did wonder if it did come from one of those places, but part of me just wanted to hear your answer because I thought it was quite entertaining to hear, <laughs> trying to figure out, like, trying to explain where people buy sexy nurse outfits. I just thought <laughs> that was a very funny thing to ask you in an interview. Um, well, so with with sticking on outfits, then one of the the highlights of I think all the outfits, and it's it's highlighted in the behind the scenes doco as well, uh, is what Kane was wearing, which is the the leopard print suit. It's just, it's phenomenal. Like. Do, did I think we spoke before recording, or it might have been at the start of the conversation, to warn the audience I'm feeling ill, so my brain is just frazzled. So apologies for that. But with the leopard print thing, was that where did that come from? And did you did you want to find that, or did your costume person just go? Yes, I found this. No, no, no. I'm I'm very particular. So every costume that you see was written in the script. So uh, I wanted a tuxedo T-shirt for Aaron, and I wanted Kale to wear. I actually wrote down. Uh, outrageous safari suit and so that's uh that's what uh, claire came back with and it's the hat that makes it for me the hat's the winner because without the hat it's very good but the hat is the uh, the the uh, the topper for me it just uh, makes it what it is is that hat but um where'd you get the yeah. idea like for the safari suit like i wouldn't even thought of anything like that well it's got it like the the scene is like what's the dumbest thing a man could wear to a wedding? So I'm just in my brain, I'm like, well, what is the dumbest thing a man could wear to a wedding? Well, there's two things. A tuxedo T-shirt would be a pretty stupid thing to wear to a wedding. And also an outrageous-looking safari suit would be a dumb thing to wear to a wedding. So, yeah, that's just what I thought of. So, yeah, so that was because when I'm writing that sort of part in the script, I've got little briefs for myself. You know, my brief is to think of, the dumbest thing possible that a man could wear at a wedding and uh that's what i did so yes it's just the term safari suit every time you say it, it makes me chuckle it's just something that I, before seeing beer nuts has enlightened me that, to that kind of attire <laughs> and the fact that you've called it a safari suit i'm certain if you looked online you'd be able to find various animal ones i'm sure there's a zebra on somewhere obviously that one was a quite leopard print i'm sure they come in a range of colors as well so <clears throat> the safari suit it just cracked me up if, if any reason i mean the the film is hilarious in itself anyway I, I obviously do encourage people to check that out but if you want to taste it watch the behind the scenes doco i'll, I'll put a link in the description because it's 
is just it is so funny seeing Kane wearing that. And after listening to your conversation with Kane on the podcast, the kind of camaraderie you guys have got where you just take the mick out of each other is brilliant. So when he came out wearing that, it was just just knowing the small amount I know about Kane from that podcast, it just it cracked me up in, in itself. Well, well, it's one of those things. I've worked with him a lot and I know him quite well. So when I'm, I've finished writing the script, right? So no one has their role yet, except for me. I know what I want to do. Yeah. But uh Nobody else has their role. So then the next thing I do is, okay, who do I want to be who? Who do I know? So I'm like, okay, I know these people. Uh, Who do I want them to play? Okay, I'll have him play him. I'll have him play him. And so Kale features three times uh, in the film. The rest of the time he's just a random extra, but he actually features three different times during the, the project itself. So I was like, okay, I'll have him because... Kale does dopey really well. That's his, uh, he does, like, if you watch the Beer Nuts films, I'd say 80% of his characters are dopey, and he pulls that dopey face really, really well. So I'm like, okay, who's the dopiest guy I've got? Oh, the Safari guy is the dopiest guy. So we'll give him that outfit, and then we'll give him those two little little bits as well because he'll do that night. Because I know I can trust Kale. So, I, and like, uh, the two other little bits are, like, little cutaways but they work for him because he does it well. So yeah, but um, yeah, but that's that's what I did. So I went through, and then obviously some actors weren't available, uh, and then those who were agreed, and then it was uh, I've got to get uh, the rest of the cast, and I've got to do castings, which uh, took a while because, like I say, there's like 22 other people in the film, so I needed to uh, find those other actors, which uh, did take a little bit of time, but uh, we got there in the end, so that's all good. <laughs> And did you find, uh, this is uh, slightly more of a personal question, but did you find that any of your actors, I know you said they, um, some of them didn't find the jokes necessarily funny. Did they find, like, obviously a lot of them were laughing at it and some of them didn't necessarily quite get it, but like, was anyone offended? Because a lot of the things you say in this obviously are silly in there for a joke, but also a lot of it is wrapped in some degree of truth in some ways. You know, like I, I'm fine with people getting married, they can do what they want and stuff, and I probably will eventually get married um because uh, you know megan wants to at some point so i've said well i love her more than i hate marriages so we'll probably do that at some point but i'm not a fan of marriage you know what 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 an atrocious proposal i know (laughs) i know and i I, we're not engaged or anything she just knows this is (laughs) this is it we're looking for a house first so there's nothing you know i am romantic sometimes but weddings are something that i'm just my family ruined weddings for me a little bit my mum's my my dad passed away um like years ago but like that was my mum's third she's now on her fourth both of my brothers are both on their second like most people in my family are on their second plus marriage so for me i've just had this experience where it's like this is just a really really costly day that is just not necessarily going to make you work out so when you were saying some of these things it was really cracking me up but some people when i express my opinions on weddings and i want to clarify I've been to several of my friends' weddings. People can do whatever they want with their time. And if they want to invite me, I'm not going to be a Grinch about it. But people do sometimes get quite offended by my opinions on weddings of just they don't really mean anything. There's kind of, you know, it's a big ceremony. It costs loads of money just to kind of prove your love to people and just in the eyes of the law to be together. It's just, it's a bit too farcical for me. People get really offended by that. So I didn't know if you had, you don't have to name any names, but I didn't know if you had anyone either who um applied to be in it and then read the script and got involved and then backed out or if anyone on the day got a little bit offended by some of the things you were saying about weddings well uh to answer your question in reverse uh nobody got offended about anything on the day uh because again they all know what's coming they've all read the script they all know what's happening uh all of my projects when they go out to the agents 
there's a lot of actors that don't find my style, of, well, not a lot, there's some actors that don't find my style of comedy funny. Mm. That's fine. Comedy is subjective. Like, you, you, you enjoy my style of inappropriate nonsense. Others don't. Totally cool. But uh, so there, there are actors that go, no, I don't want to audition for this. And that's fine. I'm not going to hire someone who doesn't want to be in my film. I mean, I again, I'm a football fan and I always think about it. If a player goes to the coach and says, I want to transfer, I want out. And they're like, oh, we want to convince this player to stay. I say, no, fuck off. I don't want him <laughs> playing for my team because his heart won't be in it. You know, like, I mean, is that not common sense? Like, if someone doesn't want to play for you, then don't force them because they're not going to give you 100%. I mean, it just seems common sense to me. So if someone reads a script and they don't want to do it, then don't audition. And that's the general rule. And I have I make it very clear in the email to the agents, make sure the actors read the entire script, not just their scene, because a lot of actors just read their scene. And then they come back a week later and go, oh, yeah. My scene's fine, but I didn't like that scene. I'm like, well, you're a dickhead. But anyway, <laughs> I don't. I, but I'm seriously, who doesn't read a whole script? You got to tell these people sometimes. So yeah, read the whole script, and then if you want to audition, audition. But what I meant earlier was obviously some of the the, the jokes that the MC tells are like really uh, for the English audience. I would say they're Roy Chubby Brown type jokes. Mm. You know. So they're real blue sort of jokes and some females aren't going to find those jokes funny because they won't because it's not meant for them. It's not their demographic, you know, that's totally fine. But uh, so there's a few people that didn't laugh at those jokes. doesn't mean they were offended. They just didn't find those jokes humorous. But um, yeah, so that's that to just clarify, that was that on the day. But no, everybody who was in it was totally down with the jokes uh, in regards to they understood the concept. They understood what I was going for. They understood the point of the piece. And you are also quite right. If people watch the film and they read between the lines of the inappropriate nonsense, I would argue that there is some really solid advice buried in this film. I mm. would definitely argue that that is the case. Yeah, I agree completely. It, obviously, it's it's wrapped in satirical and parodying nonsense, but it is there are, is genuinely a lot of the things that you say is like, at the end of the day, what you're saying is is true. I mean, the the nonsense around it, obviously, not so much, but it, it is funny. So we'll, we'll start to wrap up here. I've just got uh, two more uh, questions primarily to ask you. Um, one's about the film, one's about your podcast, because I always love talking to you about your podcast. Um, with the film, w one of the things um, I, I want to just say that I love the joke about royalty-free music. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> That's probably my favorite joke of the whole thing. I, I, I absolutely cracked up at that. Um, but one thing I want to flag was, um, I mean, I think Kane is probably my favorite person to see recurring, but I think there's a new person who's starting to come up who's becoming my favorite. And we spoke about him in your last film and he was wearing a very brightly colored shirt that he owned. And then in this one, I can't, I think it's not Kyle, is it? It's, he, he d I was, he was on stage and he Frank, basically... The, the, the poet, is that who you're talking about? Yes, where he was reading it and he was like, pain, <laughs> that sort of stuff. <laughs> I was crying at that part as well. But it was great to see him again because when he was in your last film, I thought he was so funny in his very small role. And I know that you said that I think the shirt he was wearing in the last one was his own shirt. And that kind of sold yes. it a little bit for you. So I just want to highlight that I thought he was funny. And um, I can't remember what his name is, though. So I want to Craig. ask of that. Craig, yeah, Craig, that was it. They're all, they're all C's. you got... Uh, you got Kale and Craig. They, they're your two go-tos. And, yeah, so Kale has actually been in eight of uh, – because this is our 24th film, mm. and Kale has been in eight, and this was Craig's fifth. So Craig has been in five films mm. of mine. So, yeah, they are two uh, – two, and, and, look, the reason I keep going back to the well is because they both 
do amazing jobs all the time. They're, they're really funny. So if uh, I've got a script and there's something that suits them and they're available because uh, actually they're both kicking some real big goals at the moment. Uh, Kale more so in TV commercials. He's done a couple of national TV uh, commercial campaigns, which uh, for those people in the acting industry would know a national TV commercial campaign is a good paycheck. So mm. he's kicking some goals doing TV commercials and Craig is actually done a couple of big time films currently. Oh. So yeah, they're, they're both, uh, they're both kicking goals at the moment. So, uh, which is good news for them. Uh, so yeah, but um, I keep going back to them because they do really great jobs and they're super easy to work with. I mean, they couldn't be, more cooperative and easy to work with. So, I mean, it's a no-brainer. When I'm going through a script, if there's something that even remotely suits them, I mean, because I, Craig is such a big personality, like in the last film, he was like he always plays a big personality sort of character. And, uh, yeah, when when I got to the role of the the guy doing the, uh, the poetry, I knew that was just uh, straight up for Craig. There's no no other person could do that role. That was That was his. So, yeah. Absolutely amazing. Cool. Um, so I'll ask you just the, the final sort of question here um, before we wrap up and things, which is obviously it's about your podcast. Um, your podcast, I think, has been going since around October 2020. It was around the first episode, I think, dropped and things. So you've been doing it for well over a year now. So you're, you know, an established podcaster now. Obviously, when I spoke to you last time, you said that you're really enjoying it and there are a lot of things about it that um, were unexpectedly enjoyable and things. I just want to check if... Um, if it's still enjoyable, if you're still having a great sort of time with it, and if there's anything else to add, and it's a good opportunity for you to plug it as well, all wrapped in one. Yeah, so uh, it's episode 63. So I actually haven't missed a week. So every week there's been a brand new episode since we started. So yeah, we're 63 episodes down. We've got uh, a musician is on this week's particular episode. So he plays a couple of songs and have a bit of a chat to him. It's always good getting a a muso into the studio. But um, yeah, I am still really enjoying it. I actually had a politician on uh, who's the leader of a political party here in Australia. Uh, so that was uh, Fiona Patton, who that was really interesting to chat to her because she's all about um, more social type issues in regards to uh, legalising marijuana, making sure like abortion, for example, uh, is legal in Australia, but Medicare don't, or as you would say, the NHS don't cover it. Mm. which is ridiculous because abortion is healthcare. Uh, and so, you know, if you have to pay thousands of dollars if you want one, which is not cool because some people can't afford that. And mm-hmm. um, uh, she's also about euthanasia and legalising that because Australia is not a progressive country. We're a very conservative country. Nothing's legal in this country. So she's all about government getting out of people's lives and people living their life in whatever manner they choose to live it in. You know, she... Uh, she introduced uh, safe injecting rooms into Victoria, which is, again, something that I would think is quite important to give people a safe space to do that thing so they're not on the streets causing problems. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, just uh, so she was really interesting to chat to. Uh, I talked to her, obviously, about disability issues as well, being as I have a disability. Uh, so she was super interesting. But, yeah, not to, I mean, I've had some uh, uh, all different – I mean, Claire, the costume designer, so – spoke about fashion, which is something that I clearly know nothing about. But uh, <laughs> so that was quite a fun chat to chat to chat to Claire about fashion. I'm just trying to think of some of the more recent guests. I've Oh, I had a guy on who was, uh, he does a, a TV show here in Australia, all about fishing and camping and boating and all that sort of stuff. And so he was actually a lot of fun. He was, uh, he was a super cool dude. I wasn't expecting him to be as humorous as he was, but yeah, he was, uh, he was a lot of fun. So yeah, I've, I've had some really interesting 
interesting people. And it is, look, you were, you said to me, well, a year ago, you know, back before I started doing it, you were like, Goff, you really should give it a go because you meet all kinds of interesting folks. And it's actually really interesting just for yourself, never mind for the people listening who might find it interesting, but it's just a fun thing to do and to meet interesting human beings and to learn things. And you are absolutely 100% correct. I've found it all of those things. I really do genuinely enjoy the recording experience. I really do. I, I, you know, because as you well know, I love a chat. Talking is what I enjoy doing. Uh, and it's, it's fun. It's genuinely fun to do. The only frustration, which uh, I know you can relate to, is, well, two frustrations, is A, having guests cancel mm-hmm. last second. Oh, I'll tell you another guest who's coming up on a future episode who's probably one of the most interesting, sorry to interrupt myself, <laughs> but uh, I got the sports psychologist from the Australian Olympic team, oh. uh, and he's also the sports psychologist for a couple of football teams and all that sort of stuff. He was super interesting because uh, he was talking about one thing that he mentioned, which I might just leave you with uh, to ponder over type of thing. He said that Grant Hackett, the famous Australian swimmer, he said in the 2000 Olympics, he said we had a chat before the Olympics and he said that we have, we, you've got to break it down as goals and aims. You can have a goal, but you also need an aim. Mm. So his goal was to break the world record. His aim was to win the gold medal. So he won a silver medal, so he didn't get his aim, but he did break the world record, so he did achieve his goal. So the question is, can he be proud of himself? And the answer being, yes, he achieved his goal, so you should be proud of yourself because you achieved your goal. You just didn't achieve the aim. Mm. So it was quite interesting to chat to him. So he was a uh, Phil Jauncey is his name. So he'll be coming up on a future podcast because, as you know, I record in bulk. So mm-hmm. uh uh, yeah, he's coming up on a future episode. But no, the two frustrations uh, is people cancelling. That sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also the fact that sometimes you just, I mean, you can email a dozen people and they just all ignore you. And you're like, oh, man, you would have been such an interesting guest. And then the next person, oh, you know, you go through like five, like you write down, I write down a list. I like my lists. I'm a very mm-hmm. organised person. I write lists for everyone. I'm list crazy. So uh, I, I am. Uh, I would drive people nuts, I think. I write lists for everything. So, do I. Uh, so I, I write a list of guests that I would like, and then I go through one by one, email, like I spend an afternoon emailing everybody because I know that out of that list of, let's say, 30 people, I'll be lucky if eight respond to my email, and then out of that eight that respond to the email, maybe only five will say yes. Mm-hmm. And that's a frustration as well because you're like, oh, man, why won't they all just say yes? You know what I mean? So, <laughs> I 100% feel you there. Yeah. People, people, uh, whenever I say to people about podcasting, when they have guests and stuff, I was like, you know, it's really rewarding. It's a lot of fun, but be prepared. You get a lot of rejection, but it's not rejection like a no, it's ignoring. It's not like going up, you know, I mean, I haven't done this or pretty much ever, but it's not like going up to, you know, an attractive person at a bar and asking if you can buy them a drink and them saying to your face, no, it's kind of like walking up to an attractive person in the bar, asking them, and then they just, without saying anything, leave the room. It's like that. It's like, okay. That's also happened to me a lot. So, yes, that's uh, experiences I, I, I totally relate to. But it's <laughs> it's so frustrating because you're like, you would understand, man, because you because th- you sit down and you think of these people and you're like, oh, that person would be super cool for A, B, and C. And you've already got questions going through your brains. Oh, I'd love to know 
this, that, and the other thing about this person. Yeah. And then they don't respond. You're like, what a jerk. And uh, <laughs> it's, but the thing is too, I don't understand, because just me personally, I don't understand it. Because I mean, if someone says to me, can you come on my podcast and talk about Beer Nuts Productions and promote your material and talk about what you do and get the word out about your work? I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to do that. Get me on. Like, let's let's do it. When Are you free now? Let's do it now. You know, like I'm all about it. So I don't understand why people say no because you're giving them a chance to talk about their interest or their, their business or their whatever it might be, but that you're giving people an opportunity to talk about what means something to them you know what i mean what's important to them and i would have thought that's a good thing i'm giving people a good opportunity i don't understand people's reluctance to do it i really don't i don't i don't get that at all because i just don't think that way but i mean we're all different i guess but yeah no but to answer your original question i'm still really enjoying doing the podcast it's a lot of fun and it's very rewarding like you say and it's uh, hopefully people do uh, listen and subscribe and and if they go back to the very beginning and listen to all the, because each episode only goes for about 20 minutes. So, I mean, you can uh, smash through the uh, 63 episodes reasonably quickly in that case. So, uh, yeah, if people jump back to the very beginning and start at the start and have a listen to each episode, because I make sure that each episode is sort of different with each guest. Actually, Craig, the guy you were talking about, Mr. Mm. Payne, the slam poet, he's a, uh, <laughs> I got him in for an episode talking about some of the other films and stuff that he's done because he's quite an interesting character in his day-to-day life. He's a bit of a uh, unique sort of dude, which is a good thing. That's not a bad thing at all. Being unique is good. It's like when people say, you know, when you, you eat food or whatever, oh, what do you think? Oh, it's different, meaning it's terrible and I don't like it. <laughs> but I, I actually, when I say something's different or unique, I actually mean that as a compliment. It's a good thing, you know, because... If everything was the same, life would be boring. So, but yeah, Craig was quite an interesting guest. So you'll have to uh, you'll have to check out his uh, his podcast interview. Being as you uh, you enjoy his uh, his acting work, you'll you'll find that one interesting. So just scroll through and you'll see Craig Ingham, and uh, you can check that one out. But yeah, just a Beer Nuts Productions podcast on all your podcast providers and apps, or just even at the Beer Nuts Productions website itself, we have a podcast link, and you can listen to them directly off the website if that's what you want to do. But, yeah, we're on, you know, Spotify and Podbean and all, all of the – whatever you're on, we're on. So, yeah, that's uh, that pretty much how that works. So, yeah, just the Beer Nuts Productions podcast. Absolutely perfect. And, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I do listen to episodes where I can. It's one of the things being a podcaster such as myself. I've got so many friends now who have got podcasts and there's only a finite amount of time in the day. So I'm just like, oh, okay, this day I'll listen to some of this and this day I'll listen to some of that. And I've been getting into audiobooks as well recently. So it's just even less time because they're like, you know, 10 to 15 hours ago. Um, well, it's, it, it's your own fault for telling everybody to start one. So you've only got yourself <laughs> to blame. That is true. I think I, I, there are about five – no – I think there's eight people now I know that have started a podcast <laughs> because I told them to. Obviously, with you, it was a variety of, of factors, but a lot of other people I know literally just started one because I told them to, and I sorted out like their artwork and stuff because I can do a bit of graphic design. So I was like, yeah, that's that's completely on me. <laughs> I've held my hands up to that. Um, but, Goff, um, we're getting to the end of our time here, and, you know, as always, it's always great chatting with you um, and always great fun checking out all of your content and things. So I'll put links in the description, but just one last time, Tell people where they can find you, plug your stuff, and then we'll end the call. Yeah, so uh, A Guide to a Perfect Wedding is the film we've been chatting about, and uh, beernutsproductions.com is the only place to get it. All 24 films are up there, so you can check out 
all of the trailers and the behind the scenes stuff as well on the Beer Nuts Productions website, on our YouTube, uh, our socials that go up on the Instagram and the Facebook and the Twitter and all of that sort of, <laughs> my, my Twitter sheet. Uh, I know that's all wrong. I'm doing that on purpose. I'm not an idiot. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, Beer Nuts Productions, that's all people need to type into their Google is Beer Nuts Productions. BeerNutsProductions.com is the main site where you download stuff and enjoy stuff. And then, yeah, we're all over YouTube. And, and like I say, you just uh, click through the website. We've got other stuff. Like I say, we've got the podcast. We've got audio, other audio tracks. Uh, we've got our little TV series that we did. So, yeah, there's tons of uh, cool content. Absolutely perfect. Well, thank you as always for golf. It's always an absolute delight chatting with you. And I'm sure many of my guests will go and check out your podcast as I always recommend them to. And they should check out a guide to a perfect wedding. Um, absolutely stellar. So uh, this is where I'll end the call as uh, well, I'll end the recording. So once again, thank you so much, golf. No, thank you so much. And yeah, just beernutsproductions.com, your one-stop shop for all your entertainment needs. And thank you, Mike, for your ongoing support. I genuinely do appreciate you uh, having me back on so many times. I really do. Cause, uh, Supporting independent entertainment is uh, really important, and I, I really genuinely appreciate you doing that. So thank you so much. And that's the end of the podcast. Thanks, as always, for tuning in, guys. And just a really true thank you from me, because obviously this is my 150th episode. It's closer to my 230th release or something like that, because obviously so many of these episodes get split into two parts. Uh, but in addition to that, obviously, I've done Styles, Comics and Canon stuff, which is like on episode 80-something, plus I've done Patreon stuff and guest spots and all that kind of stuff. So over the last like four and a half years, it's just been absolutely incredible. It's been so gratifying, all the reviews that you guys have left on like Good Pods and Apple Podcasts and Podcast Addict and all those sorts of things, as well as just the amount of you who regularly listen, you know, within a day or so of it coming out, which is mental, as well as all the other things. You know, I've been in the Good Pods charts recently, uh, which is incredibly gratifying. So I just want to say thank you so much for, you know, the past four plus years of me doing this show. How many of you have reached out and told me that you enjoy the show and how many of you regularly tune in, as well as, you know, allowing me this kind of space to talk nonsense with a great amount of people of completely different places in life you know i've had authors and psychologists and people like golf like filmmakers and friends of mine and podcasters all kinds of different people so i just want to say thank you so much for that but in addition to that you know make sure you check out the show notes as i always harp on about you know to the behind the scenes video of golf's film which it's a lot of fun it's on youtube it's like 10 minutes long or so it, it's a lot of fun you need to check out even if you don't plan specifically on watching the film which i obviously recommend you guys do check out his film but you know it's free so go check that out and Make sure you check out my appearance on the Beer Nuts Productions podcast as well. It's only about 25 minutes, I think, so no excuse to not listen to that. And make sure you follow Golf on all the social media places, as well as following me on social media at Genuine Chit Chat. And if any of you guys are listening and you haven't left a review, please consider doing it on, as I said, Good Pods or Apple Podcasts or any place like that. Also, I've got my YouTube channel, which I occasionally release video versions of the conversations I have as well. And if you could subscribe to that, it would mean the absolute world to me. Because once I get to 100 subscribers, I can change the channel link to slash Genuine Chit Chat rather than just random gobbledygook. I know like less than 1% of you listen on YouTube, uh, but if you you do have a YouTube account, you could just pop over there and subscribe. It would mean a lot to me. So I can just kind of try and broach into YouTube a little bit more. Granted, it's not the main way anyone listens to this show because I'm a podcaster through and through, but it would just be really cool if some people could do that. But if you don't want to do those things, you don't want to review and you don't want to subscribe on YouTube, then you could consider checking out my Patreon page, patreon.com slash genuine chits chat. For as little as one pound a month, you get access to hours and hours of additional content. Uh, me and my girlfriend Megan release an episode of Afterthoughts at least once a week 
when part one and part two of episodes of genuine chit chat drop on this feed when the second part drops um we always release an extra episode of afterthoughts as well plus all episodes of genuine chit chat the ones that are split are released in one full unsplit episode when part one drops on this feed as well so you get early access to stuff you get to support the show and you also get hours of additional content as well there's like 70 odd episodes of afterthoughts on there that me and megan do i've also done some comic afterthoughts about a couple of batman comics i've also done a couple of star wars book reviews on there that aren't on my star wars podcast star wars comics in canon so lots of reasons to do that if you don't want the additional content you could still give me one pound or one dollar fifty or however much it is a month just to support the show to keep the wheels turning because obviously i spend hours and hours of doing this because it is my passion project but if I get a little bit of money, that would help cover some of the costs. But obviously, not everyone is in that position. So even if you're listening to this and you do nothing else, I still want you to know that I really, really appreciate you just listening to the show anyway. So what have we got coming up for 2022 then? Well, I've got a lot of guests in the pipeline. I've got, I think, three different authors, one of a graphic novel, one of a fiction book, and then one of a nonfiction book. So I'm very excited to speak to each of those individuals. I've also got Chris Brayton of the I Like to Like Things podcast. He's going to be returning, I think, in a couple of weeks' time uh, to talk about his weight loss journey. He has lost a huge amount of weight, and it is just an incredible thing to listen to. And Chris is just a delightful human being to talk to anyway. But next week's release is going to be with Jared Speed. He was on the show, I think, last year. He owns some float labs near myself, uh, which is Limitless Float. So myself and Megan have gone there twice, actually, and we're planning on going there again because it's just really, really interesting experience. It's basically, you go into this pod, it's just, you're by yourself, you go into this pod, it's filled up with salt water, you lay on it and just float on it and it's like a sensory deprivation tank, isolation chamber, there's loads of different words for it, but it is incredibly pleasant i guess is the word i'd use it just makes you feel very very well rested some people fall asleep in there i personally meditate so you know make sure you go check that out i'll detail all those sort of things next week when i actually release the episode with jared but he actually climbed mount kilimanjaro at the end of last year so very very excited to sit down and talk to him about that and release it to you guys as well and in addition to that on the feed of Comics in Motion, obviously there's my show, Star Wars Comics and Canon, which I know a bunch of you guys listen to that. But there's also, I've been doing a weekly show on there for the Book of Boba Fett. So I am the host and I've been having a wide variety of guests on there. We record the episodes generally on a Thursday, so the day after Book of Boba Fett comes out, and then I try to get them released on the Friday, so only a two-day wait there. And we just talk about our thoughts, our opinions on it, and then I add in like a few bits and pieces of lore, like there was a certain character that appeared in a recent episode, and I explain a little bit about who they are, and there's just things like that. So I add little tidbits of information about that, and also people just talk about their opinions on the Book of Boba Fett. I've had people from the Comics and Motion family on. I'm going to get more and more people on there as well. I'm trying to have like quite a big variety of guests over the seven weeks the book of Boba Fett is out so if you're interested by that you can either listen on the comics emotion feed if you're listening via podcasting or if you're on youtube on my youtube channel i upload those episodes as well and a couple of them have video a couple of them don't it just depends who i have as the guest and who actually wants to have their image uh, spread across the interwebs and things so it's another reason to go subscribe to me on youtube so yeah book of boba fair patreon star wars comics and canon and the massive amount of things i've got planned for this year which obviously a lot of them how i have to keep under wraps because i don't want to jinx it in a sense but um yeah plenty of ways to hear my voice in a variety of different pieces of content 
And I also want to add the most recent episode of Star Wars Comics and Canon I released wasn't a standard episode. It was actually a couple of episodes for my Patreon uh, clicked together. It was myself and Megan talking about Solo and Rogue One. And I've had a couple of people contact me about that saying that they thought it was hilarious because me and Megan get into not quite a tiff, but we like to somewhat argue on these podcasts. It's not in a bad way at all. I want to clarify. We do say in the episodes, you know, we do bicker on these episodes, but it is part entertainment, but part just part of our relationship, how it goes. There is never any serious arguments that happen on Patreon because I just, if that happened and it hasn't, I would not release that sort of thing. Normally, if me and Megan have had an argument, we don't go, hey, let's record a podcast, you know, Um, but but a lot of people just like the banter me and Megan have. So if you want to dip your toes in and you want to hear what kind of things you can expect from Patreon, go over to Comics in Motion and you can hear the episode of Styles Comics and Canon where we talk about Solo and Rogue One. Uh, on there, we've done a huge amount of things on there, not just about Star Wars. We've also been doing Harry Potter stuff recently, Marvel stuff, uh, horror stuff around Halloween. There's a couple of Christmas movies we did and we do some series sometimes as well. And we've got a few more to record as well. So lots of fun ways to hear my voice, to support the show if you desire, either by listening, reviewing or contributing financially any of those things but just thank you once again for tuning in guys i really appreciate each and every one of you listening for allowing me to get to episode 150 for me to be doing this for four years plus and hopefully i can do it for many 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 more years to come so um yeah just thank you so much as always for listening guys and i will talk to you guys next week with jared speed you have just experienced host creator everything else of genuine chit chat and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.